Hey everybody, welcome to the Midweek Podcast, uh, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is John, I'm the engagement pastor, and across the screen from me in a completely different house is Kyle Davies, our lead what? pastor. Kyle, this is fun. We're what, week three or four online now, switching things up, so. Yes, we are. This is, this is good. We're, we're learning. Tech yeah. savvy, in air quotes, I should say. <laughs> yeah, the best tech savvy we can be, right? So for any of you that hop on today, feel free to interact with us as we are going. Uh, if you're watching live, I got my Facebook pulled up. So interact with us, shoot us a message, ask us a question. Say, Kyle, clarify this because you're rambling. Um, and we'll do our best to kind of talk through whatever you got going on. We want this to be a conversation and not just another time of us lecturing. And so, Kyle, with that said, um, let's dive in a little bit deeper to what you, uh, kind of what we talked about this past weekend. Uh, we shifted out of our substance series for two weeks, you know, I guess Easter and everything. Uh, it's pretty good to talk about what's going Don't on on Sunday. That's, that's the core of our faith. Don't downplay it. I know, right? Palm Sunday and everything, right? So yes, yes, we got we got to step into this series. There is good news. I'm really excited. I was excited for last week. I'm excited for Easter this week. Let's do this, man. Yeah, dude, I, I love the, I remember I was asking you kind of what you were going with with this series and uh, what kind of title and everything you're going with. And I love the concept you brought up about of there is good news, especially in the midst of all that's going on right now. It can be very easy for all of us to just be hearing, um, mostly just negative, discouraging news with everything that's going on. And I mean, you mentioned right off the bat in the midst of the sermon uh, where we went to Luke 19, 23, uh, 28 through 40, your whole concept was this idea of peace, that there is this good news. And you continue to use that in talking about this idea of peace. And I remember you mentioned it. Uh, one of the pieces that you talked about for peace was that Jerusalem has this fun nickname of being the foundation of peace, that this was the nickname almost of the city. And I, I don't remember if you talked about this this weekend, but why or maybe how did Jerusalem end up getting this nickname? Well, it's what it literally means. So, yeah. it, it, so, so Jerusalem, Hebrew, that's what it means, foundation of peace. And so I kind of played off the nicknames because we don't, we don't think of cities in terms of, man, like what they're literally – named after after but jerusalem is absolutely named in the hebrew city of peace like you know how you can look up things on like online where it's like what does my name really mean yeah and so so if you kind of take that kind of approach when you when you look in the original language that's what uh, jerusalem jerusalem that's that's what it means so okay. yeah yeah and i and i love i love that how Luke weaves this into the narrative of his story. And mm -hmm. so peace isn't something that he just kind of drops in here with Jesus' triumphal entry. Uh, if, if people remember and they have their Bibles with them, if you go clear back to Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 14, uh, when the heavenly host announces Jesus' birth, they say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. And then you flip over a couple pages to Luke chapter four, and then you see what Jesus does in the temple. 
and you see that Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery sight to the blind and set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's fear. So all about peace there. And then in Luke 9, 51, it says that Jesus resolutely set his eyes on Jerusalem, 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 man, it's going to be one of those after <laughs> yeah. set, set his eyes on Jerusalem. And then this whole 10 chapters of, of Luke is he's really just building up to this mm. climax of Jesus comes to bring peace. And so people who are separated from God and each other are meant to be brought together through Jesus. So that is how Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I just did it again, man. I, I'm in my, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's one of those afternoons. Uh, Luke ties this theme of peace together throughout his gospel. And mm. so let me just pause there. I know I kind of went off into some scripture and kind of introduced some other thoughts, but John, what, what, did, what struck you about the message? What did you take away as we were talking about peace and there is good news? Hmm. I think the things that really stuck out um, this weekend and this whole concept of peace was really how the uh, people of Israel and um, the people who were looking for the Messiah to come, what their expectation of peace uh, looked like and what it would bring about. You know, um, I think we see very clearly that their idea of peace would come through this Messiah, this anointed one uh, who would basically come, overrule and conquer the nation of Rome in which they were in, and basically would take up their kingship, would rule over the land, and basically be their next David. Mm. They continue to look back to King David, and they're like, when are we going to get the king uh, who is promised from the line of David to come and rule the land so we can have peace and happiness and joy and comfort in life and no longer be oppressed, no longer be uh, struck down or uh, oppressed or anything like that. And so they continue to have this look back in this, um, basically just this hope that there would be a king who would conquer and rule the land. And what we really see here in this story, and I think you brought about this uh, really well. I've never heard someone talk about the donkey in this sense of Jesus riding in on a donkey was a symbol of peace rather than riding in on basically a stallion, which meant war. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus didn't bring about war against uh, Rome. Rather, he brought about peace in his coming and not overruling um, the nation of Rome. But he, I mean, really, we see this as he uh, takes this 164 hours, as you keep talking about, of his time in Jerusalem, he would end up going to the cross and people were confused because the king, the Messiah, the one that they thought would take down their oppressors was taken down on the cross from what it seemed. Yeah. And rather, in, instead of bringing peace in the midst of a physical, tangible way in the moment, Jesus brought about peace in an everlasting way that they couldn't tangibly see. And I think that was such an interesting picture to really see here. Um, like, Kyle, I, I kind of throw this out there, but like, how, how does our expectations of peace really differ from what Jesus lived out in this idea of peace and what he called us to, to live? He wanted us to live in peace. How do, how do, how does it differ? Man, I, 
I, I just want to back up for a second because I think you said something some really good there, and it was just that focal point of he did it in a way that wasn't expected. It, he yeah. he did it in such a way that it wasn't it wasn't to satisfy the immediate, and it was something for for the for, for the forever. Yeah, and it was the, it was the everlasting, and that's almost leads into how I would answer your question is so often we think peace is going to be this immediate change rather than understand that true rest is almost what, well, well can the effects of it can be immediate, but it almost takes a while to, to set in because in our frenzy of our life and our, in our busyness, we don't know how to necessarily rest well. So the idea of peace can get very, very misconstrued. Yeah. So and any, even looking at the story, we can get confused about peace because right after Jesus enters in, and I talk about all this peace, he goes in and he cleanses the temple, and then he teaches on authority. And the, the point here is what I would say is that peace and the way in which Jesus lived out, the way in which he embodied peace, is through being active rather than passive. Yeah. Peace wasn't something that necessarily happened to him. It was something that he, he chose to embody and chose mm -hmm. to step forward and preserve and work for. And that goes back to how Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily someone peace recipients. It, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a peace maker it, it means we're actively working forward towards peace and so just to clarify to help people get a little bit better idea of what peace is peace is wellness or wholeness that is connected with god's presence and favor mm. and so let me say that again peace is wellness or wholeness that's connected with god's presence and favor so peace true peace is not achieved or gained when God's presence is not present. Okay. And so as we think about that, there are tips and tricks and things that we try to do in our everyday life to achieve a level of peace. So maybe that's pursue things we enjoy. Maybe that's maintain a tight, uh, tight control over our schedule um, or I even think of one, like a level of meditation and the difference between Christian meditation and other types of meditation is a lot of times other meditation is emptying of mind, but Christian meditation is the filling of mind with the, with the fullness of Christ and thinking about things of Christ. So what you see there is again, is an instilling of who Jesus is, what he has done for us. It's, it's remembering that God's presence is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get to exercise that actively in our day-to-day -day life. And so it's understanding where the responsibility falls. Is the responsibility for granting and establishing peace first falls on God and then flows from God to us. And so it's not seeking to get peace through large amounts of just rest or sleep or maintaining those tight controls on your schedule or pursuing yeah that enjoyment and I, I think about this as because just yesterday i went into a rabbit hole on youtube 
watching, this is going to sound silly, but I, I was watching Vanity Fair's What Happens in a Day on YouTube, and you have all these famous actors, and they're talking about their schedule, what time they get up in the morning, what time they go to sleep at night, and, and how they remain yeah. control throughout all their day. And what they're doing is, is you just heard them echo, is we're trying, to, we're trying to gain some level of sanity. And let's replace that word sanity with peace, because ultimately – that's what that's they're that's what they're after is some sort of I'm productive, but it's not exhausting. Mm -hmm. I'm productive, but I'm not um, but I'm not passive. And and so I think especially in this cultural moment in this this time frame, it's with all this frenzy, with all this chaos, we clamor for some peace of soul, some peace of mind, and and some true rest but it's only found with God's presence. It's mm -hmm. not found with, with more organization. Now, again, those things are good. You know, God gives us good gifts, but that is not what true peace is linked to. Mm -hmm. And I think the other concept that gets thrown out as we talk about Jesus bringing peace here is we're not talking about just war and pacifism. Um, those, those are valuable uh, conversations to have. Uh, we are called to war and combating evil while loving human enemies. And you hear Paul echo that in his, in his letters. It's like the evil that, and, and the war that we're called to is a spiritual war. It's against a thinking of the age that directs people away from the presence of God. Mm. And because when the presence of God is present, we then have peace and experience God's favor. And so you see this with Luke in this situation in this setting, because it's almost a play on words that peace on earth does not come to Jerusalem, 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 man, I just cannot say it today. No. I'll just say it's the city of peace. I don't <laughs> say that anymore. The city of peace. So peace on earth will not come to the city of peace. On the contrary, the city of peace through its leaders rejects Jesus and therefore proves unworthy. Therefore, God's favor does not rest on the city of peace. It rests on the people who have accepted Jesus and follow his way. So it doesn't matter how ordered our days are. True peace is not found apart from God's presence. And mm. so when we link peace with pleasure or control or order, we miss what true peace is all yeah about i like how you i like how you talk about that because i think there's even uh, another aspect uh, of our culture that tries to seek peace through the amount of effort they put in or the amount of hours or work and i feel like i hear this a lot especially um just coming out of undergrad having some friends who are in master's classes and kind of in the stage of life they're in is it's so much of man, I'm just going to work as hard as I can through this season so that down and later in my life, I can experience peace. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buckle down really hard right now, put in all the effort, all the will I can right now so that down the road, maybe it's I got to scrap out this project. Maybe it's I got to work really hard to finish this degree. I have to uh, really excel at this job to get me to this next place. It's this season of time that I'm going to really buckle down and try hard so that later on I can experience the peace. Well, and, and, in, and for us, we see that on the opposite extreme too is, mm. well, life is always gonna be chaotic and life is always gonna be hard. So I'm actually not gonna try 
and just try to simply kick back and enjoy life mm. and, and pursue peace through the advocating of responsibility. And that's where that authority comes back in. It's like, no, like peace is not passive, sitting back, removing responsibility. It's an active, but it, to your point, it's not overactive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the other extreme. And as you go through life, I mean, we see this with um, when people get to the other age is when they get to, to retirement age. It's like, oh, man, I can finally have some peace because, yeah. I'm, not, because I'm not working. And I, I, hear, I hear people all the time who are nearing that retirement age or on the other side, and they're like, man, being retired didn't actually provide the rest for my soul that I desired. And yeah they actually found more fulfillment in working. So some of them go back to work and some of the things like that. But there, there's this search for this peace of mind, peace of soul. And in all of that description, no matter where you get it from and what phase of life people are in, the linking of peace to God's presence is almost non-existent. And so we have to learn how to rediscover that true peace comes from God's presence and infusing that into our everyday life in mm. very practical ways. And go back to my meditation comment for a moment. That's where I think we actually have to practice filling our mind with the things Christ thinks about, feels about, what is his will, what is his way through his yeah. word, or else we're not going to know how to respond to a culture and to an age of chaos and frenzy yeah. uh and be actual embodiments of peace in the midst of that i i think it's really comes back to almost having to make that shift of our understanding of peace and what is jesus's understanding of peace um, because if we still have this understanding that peace comes when i have achieved my good life where when i have satisfaction and happiness of with what's around me i keep thinking about uh me and hannah had been binge watching this show. Well, she's already watched it. She's recently begged me to watch it with her. And so with all this uh, little bit of extra time at home, uh, we started watching the show, This Is Us. Uh, it's a little, little bit of a- serious? It's a little bit of a chick flick, oh, I know. Man. She talked me into it, but I keep thinking hey, back Ruth, to this- Ruth loves it too. Does. She does. I watched the first season- Wait till she makes you watch it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's pretty good, I'm not gonna lie. But there's this, um, I keep coming back to this one character, Randall, that I keep, that keeps coming up in my mind right now in this concept of what it looks like to achieve peace. In his mind, he, he says this a lot of times that um, get the big house, get the fancy car, have the uh, fantastic wife and family. And he keeps saying, like illustrating that this is his good life. This is his happiness. But then what you keep seeing is that in the midst of having this, a lot of craziness happens in his life. Mm. There's a lot of unexpected things that happen, uh, relationships with his daughters. They bring in a foster kid. Him and his wife have trouble, his family. And it's like he keeps preaching, like, get the big house, the fancy car, the happy family, the great, right job, and you'll have the good, happy, peaceful life. And yet he has all that, and there's still not this satisfaction. There's still not this peace mm. that is there. And I think it comes back to where we're talking about is where, how do we define what that piece is? Where are we finding our satisfaction? Are we finding satisfaction in these worldly things? Or are we finding satisfaction in Christ within us, of us receiving his peace that he has brought about? And 
honestly, like he understanding that he has defeated the um, he's defeated death on the cross. That that is how he brought about peace for us. Yeah. Are we going to cling to that, or are we going to try and rewrite and find peace for ourselves apart from that? And and that and especially for people who might not be believers, it's they're like they, they may not completely understand or under, or see how those two concepts links together. And I think it's mm. because we link peace so often with pleasure and control. Yeah, it's, it's this is what peace is, and we link those two, and those yeah. actually aren't like those actually aren't peaceful. Yeah, because if you think about it, is pleasure that's that's pursued to without any boundaries or without extent breeds consequences that pollute all kinds of areas of your life your relationships your finances uh how how you sp how you do spend your time your work life and same thing with control is when you link peace with control is when you can't maintain control you just think you're tossed into inner anxiety into inner turmoil because you internalize and think, well, what am I doing wrong? Because we link peace with control and peace yeah. and control and peace and pleasure are not synonymous. They're not all the same thing. Yeah. Peace is, is linked with wellness and wholeness and pleasure is an enjoyment, which is a good thing. God's given us senses. So, yeah. so let's not downplay that. He's given us emotions. He's given us brain power and capacity but those are pieces of wellness or wholeness. They're not it in totality. So yeah. when we see all these areas of life, of our life in harmony through the presence of Jesus, that's when we actually, peace through the presence of Jesus, begin to actually positively affect how we interact with our relationships, yeah. where we spend our time, how we feel about our finances, how we see ourselves, and yeah. how we, and how we, self-perceive our own identity yeah because i think we i think we set ourselves up for failure when we don't define peace in the way that jesus does yes. because we talk about jesus came came and brought peace and yet we talk about that and when we talk about he brought peace we talk about that through what he did on the cross and let's just be real just watching and being an israelite who is there that is a sad and horrific moment there isn't that joy, that satisfaction, their immediate present. And yet that's often what we associate peace with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this upside down way of thinking because we just, we have been culturally just indoctrinated and we contribute to it ourselves by through self-talk, through what we put in our hearts and what we put in our minds to misunderstand what true peace is and it's because the place of peace comes from the authority of jesus jesus being at the center which we had talked the last couple of weeks in colossians about jesus being at the center but when the reason we don't have peace and we don't truly define peace well is because we self-define peace with us at the center it's yeah. a self-orientedness that then when we can't do it on our own or generate it we're like, well, then we just, it just won't exist. And so then when Christians, and we talk about, well, peace is brought through Jesus. It's brought through the cross. It's brought through the resurrection. It's like, that's some external thing. 
And what I crave for is something internal, Hmm. but we don't, but what happens is through faith in that and who God is and what he has done. And then what, what that means for us and who we are, then we can actually live in response to it rather than try to achieve it through pleasure control. And so again, we work backwards rather than work in the, in the way God has designed it. Whereas true peace, true wellness, true, true wholeness flows out of him to us into the lives of others. But instead we reverse that the chaos of others flows into our life. And then we throw that back on God oftentimes and be like, why did you do this? But it's, we reversed really the flow of information and the flow of wellness and the wellness and true, true wholeness flows the opposite direction. So we've got to get back to the question, who is God and what has he done for us? And so filling our minds and our hearts and our lives with those to the answers to those questions and seeking after those answers will begin to help us truly understand. Because even look at the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders in these texts flowing right after this is they wanted to tell Jesus who they thought he was rather than receive the information of no Jesus is telling us who he is yeah and so um that that's where that's where the conflict eventually leads to the climax and through his surrender we see peace with others because of peace with God Mm. and so John I gotta ask as we continue to filter through this and as how do you see this play out in everyday life? And if you were to say, we're trying to get people to the place of I will, what would you say your I will statement from this last week as we move forward? What do you think your, what, what is your I will statement in light of this concept of peace for this week? That's a, I think it's a solid question to be, to really just kind of think about of, how how are we really intaking uh, who Jesus is rather than who we think Jesus should be? Um, and I I keep coming back to uh, we talked about this a little bit back in the fall. Just some of this concept of spiritual disciplines we talk about mm-hmm. of different ways. And I, I liked how you said it earlier of just meditation isn't what we often see in like yoga classes and stuff like that. The clearing of one mind but rather it is filling our mind with who Jesus is, his characteristics and priorities and how, how those shape our everyday life. Uh, I, I, I've really wrestled with that. And man, I think, I think especially right now, my big thing, uh, and it actually comes back to uh, one of the devotionals that uh, I had to laugh the scripture you threw at me earlier this week and it's just been resonating in my mind. Uh, there's this practice I used to have when I was an undergrad. I used to do it. It was once, once a week, I would do a 24 hour fast. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is like every, every week. Oh, when did I do it? I did it Tuesday nights, uh, Tuesday at 7 PM to the next day, Wednesday at 7 PM. I, I just wouldn't eat. And it wasn't like an issue with myself or anything. It wasn't a diet trick or anything. Rather, it was following uh, a biblical, a biblical example of the idea of fasting. Mm. And, uh, what, what I, and what you would do is in those times and places in which you would usually sit down and enjoy a meal, rather what you would do is you would 
take that time and spend it with God. You'd spend it in his word and in prayer and, and not a flashy kind of thing of, hey, everyone, I'm skipping lunch because I'm going to go pray with God, you know, but no, it was more of a return by yourself, mm. you and God alone and recognize that my provision, my uh, dependence is upon him and not of the things of this world. And I think that uh, is just one of the things that's been wrestling with me is finding that balance of uh, intake in this world of how am I intaking my relationship with God rather than intaking the stuff of social media, of the news, of what other people uh, are, are saying of how to live our life in the midst of what's going on. And I think that's one of the practices that I actually want to return to is mm -hmm. to go back to that and just really just understand that my provision is from God. It's not from any other intake or action in which I can do, but in that, just finding God, who are you and how are you calling me and shaping my life in the midst of this? Well, and I, I think that's so, that's so important because let's just be honest, as we're quarantined at home, like with the, with the social distancing and the stay at home order, mm -hmm. like it's way easy to binge. This is us than it is to really binge, binge read your Bible. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, oh, yeah. let's, let's throw that out. Like th there it's, we, 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 because of the convenience factor and the ease factor. Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's, I'm not trying to like guilt people or be like, Oh, you should, you know, spend every moment, every waking moment of your day with, you know, reading your Bible and stuff like that. Like well, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but I think we have to really be mindful about what is shaping us. And do we find ourselves more apt to to binge to binge netflix to binge Di disney plus than to yeah. frankly binge our time with with god yeah. i mean i i can imagine i'm like a lot of people in the sense that you no longer have to commute to work um maybe as much some of people who are working from home uh the way in which my apartment is set up it's not that huge in a sense that my workspace is on our dining table, which is in our living room. So our TV's right back there, the kitchen's right in front of me. And so it's like, there's so many at home distractions mm -hmm. um, that can really overshadow even just a normal routine. And so like even going, man, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to drive somewhere to go work today. I can spend 15 extra minutes in bed snoozing a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, little things like that of, hey, you know, I could take a little bit extra longer of a lunch because, you know, I'm at home. I don't have to drive back somewhere. You know, I can, I can make it up later. Am I really going to make it up? You know, like it, there's a very different routine in which we're set up. And um, it's not that distractions are eliminated because you're at home, but there's a whole new set of mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's yeah. good. I mean, like, what are you, what's kind of your thought right now as, um, you taught this passage and everything. You're wrestling with this idea of peace. What what is your I will? Yeah. So first, I will I will admit I was way late to the game on my I will statement from last week. I didn't get my neighbor letters passed out until yesterday, and even had to rely on Ruth to do that. So it wasn't <laughs> even something that. But we got we got our neighbor letters passed out. I was really excited to that. I said I would do that last week, and they got out. Yeah. So even, even though I maybe didn't personally put them on that or made sure they got out as a family. Um, yeah. cause that was something I was like, Hey, I said I would do last week. And so 
we did because we want to be good neighbors. And my I will statement for this week ties into that. And it ties into a concept that I actually told you uh, on Sunday off camera that Jesus declares war on sin and death by declaring peace with God. Right. And so th- this is going to seem very similar to two weeks ago where I talked about kind of my self-talk and what, what I do in the midst of interactions is I actually, I think myself through a lot of the day yeah. and remembering that my, when I get frustrated with whether it's people or whether I feel like I'm not communicating well enough or I get frustrated with kids or get frustrated with my wife, that, that my actual, like my battle, that my conflict in a lot of ways actually isn't with them. It's with the spiritual realities of our world. Mm. And so where I, I came to this week is something that I also said in the sermon with that of I have to make the first music that I listen to in the day worship music. Yeah. Um, actually, the last music that I listened to in the day or the last thing I listened to as I started this last night was not going to be um, a show that I've been watching. It's going to be a song of praise. And so mm. actually, the, the, the narcissist that I am, I like listening to The Blessing by Carrie Job and Cody Carnes because it says generations <laughs> in, in it. So I don't know if that makes me narcissistic or not, but I love songs that I hear the words generations in them. So I just because that being the church name yeah that was the last song that i listened to last night before bed and so um so even though it's not even though it's not like necessarily god's word that i'm listening to it's making sure praise is on my lips because praise uh, as i said in, in sunday's teaching uh is is the beginning of peace you know yeah. peace begins with praise and so starting my morning and ending my day actually with songs of praise rather than the latest podcast or, you know, last night, I mean, I, like I was saying earlier, it's like I got on Vanity Fair and was watching what people do during the day. I was watching <laughs> Tim Ferriss and watching all his uh, end of day routines, morning routines and tips and tricks for networking and all kinds of, I mean, like, I listen to all kinds of productivity, wisdom from all these business leaders and and professionals. But at the end of the day, my peace doesn't come from being more productive in this crazy time. My peace comes when I can praise Jesus. And so that's, that's what I would say. That's my, I will statement is really for this, at least for this next week. And maybe it's something that I continue uh, going forward is that my peace begins with praise. And so begin my morning and end uh, my day with listening to music of praise. And so thanks for listening to us today. Thanks for listening yeah. to the Generations Midweek Podcast. As always, you can reach us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We would love to connect with you because we do everything that we do because of Jesus for generations to come.